Good morning, everyone, on this uh, slightly chilly morning. Um, We have got two readings this morning. The first is from Genesis and the second is from Ephesians. So we'll start in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. The Lord said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then moving to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through to 32. So I tell you this, and insisted it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. We were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood And speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Good morning. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the ministers here. I'm really excited to delve into today's today's topic because it's something we all deal with on a daily basis. Technology. Can you believe how much it's infiltrated every aspect of our lives from smartphones to social media, from AI to virtual reality? It's like we're living in a whole new world. But here's the thing. As Christians... How does our faith speak to this digital revolution? How can we navigate the ever-changing landscape of technology without losing sight of what truly matters? Well, that's what we're going to explore today. You see, technology is not inherently good or bad. It's a tool, a powerful one. And like any tool, it can be used for good or for harm. 
as followers of Christ, we, we have a responsibility to examine how we engage with technology and how it aligns with our values and beliefs. So let's dig deep, unpack the challenges and the opportunities that te- technology brings and discover how our faith can guide us in this digital age. So get ready for an eye-opening discussion that will surely challenge and inspire us all. Now, I've got to come clean at this point. I, I just can't go on. It's um, too awkward. Nothing I've said so far has been anything that I've written or come up with myself. Everything I've been saying has been AI speaking. You can see it for yourself up there. It's been AI speaking. Now, until this week, I've never used chat GPT before. But I thought since we're, doing a, a, we're speaking about technology, I should ask technology to write me an intro for this topic. And, and that's what it wrote, all those words. And until I, I got to that bit where it said that this sermon will surely inspire us all, it was pretty convincing, don't you reckon? It didn't sound all that different to how I normally sound. But how do you feel about that? How, do you, how, do you, how would you feel if the whole sermon today on technology had been written by technology? How would you feel? You know, I was, I was completely transparent and I said, look, I wrote a sermon on technology and it, it took me quite a while. And ChatGPT wrote a sermon on technology and it took it four seconds. And as it turns out, ChatGPT's sermon is better, so we're just going to go with that today. How would you feel about that? Now, it probably depends how you feel about where technology is going in general. And I'm sure that, you know, in a group this size, there's a huge range of feelings. Some of you are thinking we are on the cusp of something awesome. You know, AI and technology like that is, is just amazing. Others are expecting any minute now that Skynet is about to become self-aware and generate robots like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator. Now today we're asking the question, does faith still speak to our modern world? Does an ancient faith like Christianity have anything to say to real world issues like technology? And the answer is absolutely. There's an awful lot that we can say on this topic. In fact, far too much than we're going to be able to look at today. Today we're not going to be able to go very deep at all. But what we're going to do, first of all, is look at a very brief overview of what faith says to technology. And then second, what we're going to do is is focus in on some technology that challenges us most right now, or maybe should challenge us right now. So first of all, What does an ancient faith like Christianity have to say to technology in general? So the answer is heaps and heaps, but at the same time, there's no specific verse or chapter in the Bible that you can go to that's just focused on technology. You have to trace the whole storyline of the Bible to hear what faith says about technology. And the place to start is at the very beginning. You can draw a couple of of really powerful conclusions by looking at the way that God set up the world in the very beginning. So first of all, where is technology in the very beginning? 
it's not really there, is it? There isn't really any technology that humans have access to in the, in the beginning. We read a little bit of, of it before, but if you read the whole thing, you, you'll see there's not really any human technology at that point. And yet, look at what God says about this technology-free world in Genesis 1.31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So in other words, one thing faith says to us is that technology is not the pathway to make things good. It's not like God made people and then he said, look, to be honest, it's not all that great until you've got kind of fire sorted out and coffee and figure out how to turn on Netflix, it's going to be pretty rough out there. I mean, it wasn't like that at all. Technology is not the key to the world being very good. The key was actually relationships. You know, this is, we see a little bit of this in Genesis 1 verse 27. And the whole way the, the beginning is, is structured and framed. What we see in 1 verse 27 is this. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. People are made to be in relationship with God. And they're made to be in relationship with other people. And where relationship with God and and relationship with other people is good, then all was good for people. Even without technology, all was very good in the world. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that faith says that technology is, is a kind of subsequent evil thing created by people. It doesn't mean that at all. But there's a, there's a bit more to the picture that we need to see to see this. Because not only did God set us up for relationship with himself and with other people, but he set us up with a purpose. He, he gave us a task. That's what we see in Genesis 1 verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature see our goal is not to just sit around like animals in a zoo and look pretty for God he made us to rule this world on his behalf ruling with care and in line with his character so in other words while the the creation even without technology is very good it's also incomplete It's not perfect in the sense of not having reached its goal. Humans were given the task of extending the borders of the garden across the face of the earth. And this would happen by some very naturalistic kind of ways. But it would also be greatly helped with human technology. You know, getting across oceans was going to take technology. Feeding people, caring for the world, it would all be helped by human technology. So even though creation was very good before technology, God had still built into his world the potential and even the need for technology. We, if we boil it all down, what faith says to us loudly and clearly is that 
God's purposes for human technology are actually the same as his purposes for humanity in general. From God's point of view, human technology should be used as a tool to help relationships and to help us rule the earth with care in line with his character. Now that sounds pretty simple, right? If we just use technology in a way that's good for relationships and good for the world, we can't go wrong. But of course, there's more to the story that we need to hear. Because the next part of the story is all about how humans have rejected God and the way he made things to be. And that makes technology complicated. You know, God's built relationships at the center of all things. Relationship with him, relationship with each other. But humans, without fail, we break relationships. We break relationship with God. We break relationships with each other. And God has given us the task of ruling the world as as his representative, with care, in line with his character. But again, humans, without fail, reject that task. We try to rule the world without God and without reference to his character. Now, that's what the Christian faith says to us. And so what faith says to us about technology is not that technology is sinful, not that technology is inherently evil or flawed or problematic. What it says to us is that we are inherently flawed. And Christian faith says this to us in in a way that, that really cuts through compared to anything else. It cuts through all the rubbish because it says, yes, evil lurks within the hearts of each one of us. We're not just a little bit naughty or just a little bit cheeky or a bit too stubborn. We actually have within each one of us a far bigger problem. We've rejected God. We've rejected his plan for us. We've kind of gone rogue equipped with some pretty powerful tools and we're not as bad as we could be but we're more touched by selfishness and evil than we really want to believe is true which means faith warns us that we shouldn't expect technology to be an easy simple kind of thing because now technology can be used powerfully for good but it can be used powerfully for evil as well. And so it's not something we should ever be naive about. So technology was intended by God to be used by us for enormous good, but now technology is always going to be plagued by the potential for evil. But there's still more that that faith says to us about technology because there's, there's still more to the story. Because despite humans messing up God's purpose for the world, God refuses to let his purposes go. Jesus is God become one of us in order to not only undo the mess that we've made by rejecting him, but also he becomes one of us in order to bring the world to the goal that God always had for it. 
He becomes one of us in order to, to fight for that goal that God has always had for this world. Now, I've got a, uh, a project that's been dominating my life recently, and, and sorry for all those people who've um, had to hear me talk about it. Yes, there's a few people smiling over there. Kathy, my wife, and I, we, we've been trying to get our 1950s kitchen renovated. But what I'm discovering is that it's complicated doing a renovation in an old house. Uh, we, we keep uncovering new problems that stand in the way of our goal. So on Thursday, just gone by, um, the old ki- kitchen got demolished. You can see it there. And all the power and, and plumbing and, and gas was supposed to go in. But then the plumber was saying that he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to get the gas from one side of the kitchen to the other side of the kitchen where it needed to go. But I'm invested in this kitchen now. I mean, partly because I have no kitchen in my house. I'm kind of invested in having a kitchen. And so when when a problem gets found, I find myself thinking, I don't really care what it's going to take. I'm so invested. I just want to see it get done. And so when the plumber couldn't figure out how to get the gas from one side of the kitchen to the other, I just about said to him, give me that copper pipe and I'll crawl under the floor myself and get it there. In the end, he did what all um, tradies do and got his apprentice to do it instead. (laughs) Now, a a home reno, it's not that important in the big scheme of things. Uh, But God considers his goal for his world so important that he's not going to stand by and let it be ruined. Whatever it takes, he's going to step in and make it happen. He made us to be in relationship with him. He made us to be in relationship with each other. He gave us the purpose of ruling this world with his care and his character. That's his passion. So much so that in Jesus, God steps into the world to make it happen. Jesus dying on the cross and and rising to life is all about God stepping into the world to restore his world. What Jesus does at the cross is, is he says no to everything that runs against what God wants his world to be. He says all that's wrong with this world is going to come to an end. And what Jesus does with his resurrection is he says yes to everything that God originally intended this world to be. And he says all that's good in this world still stands and one day will be brought to its goal by him. Now, that truth speaks to all sorts of things, speaks to all of reality, every aspect of reality that you can ever imagine. But today we're thinking about technology. And what this part of the story says, first of all to technology, is that technology will not bring us to that goal. You know, sometimes we think like this, especially more widely in this world. We think technology will fix the problems of this world. But it just can't, because it just can't touch the problems of the human heart. But what Jesus does, can. It's only as we completely put our lives into Jesus' hands that we can get back to being on track, back 
to being a part of God's goal for his world. But the next thing that this says about technology is that those who follow Jesus, those who have put their lives in the hands of Jesus, who, who are a part of God's goal for this world, says those of us who follow Jesus are called to use technology as those who belong to the goal of where he is taking this world. And what this looks like is using technology in a way that's been taught to us by Jesus. Now, it sounds a bit strange on the one level, you know, Jesus never owned a smartphone or a computer or a car, just like we heard in the All Ages spot. But in that second reading we had before, it actually it tells us a lot about this. Have, have a look again at Ephesians 4 verse 20. Paul writes there, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. And as he runs through what we've, what we've been taught in Jesus, almost every single thing he says applies to, to how we should use modern technology. Things like not stealing, not slandering, not having rage, having love instead and truth and not having immorality, all sorts of things. And if the world used technology in a way that lined up with Ephesians 4, this world would be a very different place. It kind of is all summed up for us in Ephesians 5 verse 1. This kind of sums up how we should do all things, including use technology. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So our principles are that technology is a good gift from God to people, a good gift that shouldn't be approached with cynicism or as if it's somehow evil in and of itself. However, we've also seen that the human heart is, is severely tainted by sin. Every heart is touched by evil more than we, we even know. And so naivety about technology would be crazy. But finally, we saw that Jesus says no to our rejection of God and yes to how God made things to be. And so he, he calls us and teaches us to use things like technology for good. So that's a kind of broad overview. I want to finish by thinking about how faith speaks to the kind of modern technology that challenges us at the moment. You know, I'm not an expert on the Amish. I think everything I know about the Amish comes from watching The Witness many years ago. But from what I understand, there's kind of a, a rejection of technology after a certain date. It's kind of like earlier technology is okay for some reason, but later technology is, is for some reason not okay. Now, some of us are a, a bit inclined to take a modern-day Amish kind of stance. You know, we see chat GPT and it kind of creeps us out a bit and we want to shun it or just kind of completely destroy it somehow. And we shun smartphones, we shun social media. But I hope you've seen in this overview, that's not our calling. 
We've seen that technology is good if it's used for the purposes God made it for. Tim Challies, um, in his book, he writes, Our task is not to avoid technology, but to carefully evaluate it, redeem it, and ensure that we're using it with the right motives and for the right goals. So how do we evaluate, redeem, and ensure we're using technology like smartphones and social media and AI with the right motives and for the right goals. Well, we've seen today that that faith still speaks to us in our modern world and it asks, can these sorts of things, can they be used as tools that deepen and strengthen relationships? Can they be used to enrich and, and express love and, and, and friendship? And can they be used to help humans rule the world with, with care and in line with the character of God? And the answer is yes, isn't it? That they, they can be used that way. There's a massive amount of good that these kind of tools, this kind of technology can be directed towards. You know, people on the other side of the world can stay relationally connected better than before. We can stay connected better with people on the other side of the city even, down south, where none of us dare ever go. Even locally here, we can kind of stay more connected with each other's lives, possibly better than we could before. Technology can be a a tool that's used well for relationships. But what does faith also say to us? Faith also says, but don't be naive. Be careful not to be naive. It says to us to look out for ways in which human hearts can turn something good into something harmful. And if we carefully evaluate social media and smartphones, we have to ask ourselves the question, do they really strengthen relationships? Are they really tools that are not just making us more connected, but actually deepening those connections? And I'm not so convinced that that's always the case, at least not by default. Because here's the thing, you know, the tool doesn't do the work, does it? The tool doesn't do the work. Technology doesn't build the relationship. Like I said, I've had a project going on, I've been painting my house. I could pile up in my lounge room all the paint cans I want all the paintbrushes, spray guns even. But that doesn't do anything towards painting the house. It always requires someone to do the work of using the tool. And sometimes the most impressive technologically advanced tools don't lead to a better job. You know, I could attach a paintbrush to a drone and go and sit in a cafe and operate it remotely. I wouldn't get splattered by paint, wouldn't hurt my hands... But if you came by after I tried to paint the house like that, you'd think some deranged kindergarten class had done it for me. Nothing compares to to getting messy, picking up a paintbrush, being present and doing it yourself. Now, social media and smartphones are impressive tools of connection. But they're just tools. And they do nothing for connection without us using them well. And nine times out of ten, they're probably more like painting a room 
remotely with a drone and a paintbrush, then they are super effective. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't use social media and and smartphones in our relationships. I'm saying we should use them, but we need to keep our eyes open to their enormous limitations. Nothing builds human relationship like being face-to-face with humans. Now, I reckon we, we struggle to get this, and especially young people, I reckon, might struggle not because they're young so much but because they've not really known a a time without these kind of tools before so if we've mostly related you know through video games and apps and sending each other youtube clips and then suddenly you can't relate that way anymore then it, it seems like it's a much worse situation for building relationships if I relate to someone, you know, by playing Fortnite and, and chatting online as we play, and then their parents go psycho for some reason and, and take away their device, now it feels like I can't relate to them at all. And it might seem like technology was super important for the relationship. But actually, if that's the case, then we're not using technology as a tool to build relationships. If we can't relate without technology... We're not using it as a tool. We're using technology to mask an absence of real relationship. We've mistakenly thought that the tools are the relationship. Have you ever noticed when you, um, you can interact with someone online and then you can see them in person and it's like that interaction just never even happened? Is it only me who's, who's felt that or have you ever felt that too? Like a little while ago, uh, someone was angry and annoyed at me and took me to task online. And then I saw them in person and it it was just like that interaction had never happened before. Now, I don't think that's unusual. I I think technology is a tool for relationship, but it's actually quite a weak tool. It doesn't make that much impact for relationship in the real world. It's, It's a lesser kind of force, which is a little bit disturbing because it means as we spend more and more time relating across technology not only are we relating with a weaker tool it also means we're we're taking up time that could be used in relating with more powerful tools and there's more that needs to be said when it comes to not being naive about technology it also needs to be said that what we hold in our hands is not a neutral tool. You know, it's not like a, a, a knife, which is a neutral tool, which can be used to carve meat or could be used to kill a person. You can't blame the knife for that. It, it doesn't have a kind of will of its own like that. But a, a smartphone and social media and AI is different. It does have a will of its own. Now, what I mean is, you know, not that Arnold Schwarzenegger is about to walk in as a kind of Terminator or something like that. What I mean is that smartphones and social media and AI, they have a certain goal in mind because they've been programmed by people. People who themselves are a mixture of of good and bad. And so holding a smartphone is actually like holding a knife that has a will of its own. Now, if you had a knife in your kitchen that wanted to carve meat 
but also had a sort of strange tendency where it wanted to carve people at times. How would you use that knife? I'd hope that you'd use it quite carefully. How would you let your children use that tool? Hopefully with even more care. I've been um, rereading Lord of the Rings over this last, what feels like a decade anyway, but uh, six months I think. And in the Lord of the Rings, there's these crystal stones called Palantirs. And you can look in them and you can, you can see through to other stones. And you can get an idea of what's happening all over the place with them. But the problem is at the other end, looking into other stones are other people and things. And in Lord of the Rings, at the other end is actually the evil presence of Lord Sauron. Which means if they ever use the device in Lord of the Rings, there's going to be this epic battle of wills going on. Now that's a bit dramatic, but on a much smaller scale, it's the same whenever we use our devices. We should always realize that that there's actually a battle of wills going on. There are at least three desires at work when we use a device. There's your desire, so the desire for the things that you want, and that's not necessarily a bad thing if those desires are good things. But we'd be naive if we didn't realize that our devices also feed us things that we don't want to want, but secretly do want. It's a bit confusing, but the truth is our devices don't just give us what we want, they feed our other wants, desires that aren't so good. Things like lust and greed and indignation and anger and gossip and cruelty. A device aims to feed our good desires, but it also aims to feed our bad desires. Because the third desire that's at work whenever we use a device is the desire of the developers. What they want is is our time, our attention. And the reason they want it is generally not to do good in the world. Their desire is profit. Now, what I'm saying is, is... is actually really just common sense. Our devices feed our good and our bad desires in order to achieve their developers' desires. That's, That's just common sense, actually. But it's remarkable to me how hard it is for me to keep that common sense in mind as I use my device. The apps on on our phones are, are trying to take from us and they're fairly happy to lead us to some dark places in the process. There was a Wall Street Journal article recently that says Facebook knows Instagram is toxic for teen girls, company documents show. And in the article it says 32% of teen girls said that when they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. The researchers said in a March 2020 slide presentation posted to Facebook's internal message board. Facebook, who owns Instagram, knows the harm that their technology is causing, but even still, they go on causing it. Apparently, since 2009, when when smartphones first came out, rates of self-harm have gone up enormously, particularly amongst young females. 
And a pretty strong theory is that social media has got a lot to do with that. Now, most companies, they're not putting forward their technology because they're bent on doing good. Most are putting forward their technology because of profit. And we carry this tool around in our pockets, nestled against us. We sleep next to it at night. Last thing we, we do at night is lay it down. First thing we do is pick it up. And we hand it to our children to keep them occupied. Now, I'm not saying we should have a kind of phone-burning session after church today or anything like that. What I'm saying is we need to make sure we're not naive. We need to make sure, actually, that we've got really strong wills. We need to work harder with greater clarity toward using technology, modern technology, for good the way God wants us to. We need to know how to do that. There's so much more that we could say on this. I wish we had more time to do that, but we don't. And so instead, I I just want to finish by giving you some questions to keep thinking this through for yourself. It'd be great if we could keep talking about this in our community groups this week, even over morning tea, just to hear how you've, you know, hear the stories of each other of how we've decided to manage technology in our own lives, how we broach some of these things. But here's um, some questions that I'd love you to keep thinking about across this week. So are you mastering technology? Or are there actually ways that technology is mastering you? Is technology helping you build relationships? Is that what you find? Or are there ways you find it hindering you building relationships? Is technology helping you do good in the world or do you find it tempting you towards evil? And if you have kids, how are you helping them teach them to use technologies in the way that God wants them to be used? Let me quickly run through those again. Are you mastering technology or being mastered? Is technology helping you build relationships or actually hindering it? Is technology leading you towards good or towards evil? And are you using technology? Uh, sorry, are you teaching your kids to use technology in the way that God wants us to? Each one of those questions, no doubt, is complicated and got aspects where we are uh, doing well and things where we could do better, I'm sure. But it'd be great to chat about that in our community groups and maybe today as well. Let me pray for us as we finish. Father, we we thank you for the way that you have made us for relationships, relationship with you, relationship with each other. Lord, um, when relationships are going well, we we thank you for the way that so much in our life just sings when that's the case. That It doesn't really matter about riches or our circumstances, that when our relationships are great, uh, we're just in such a great place. We thank you for the gift of, of technology, but we, uh, we do acknowledge before you, Lord, that our hearts are fallen and, and that we take technology ourselves to dark places and we experience um, the effects of that from others as well. 
We just pray, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom we need. Be at work in us by your Spirit to open our eyes and hearts to your way, to seeing things and using things in the way that Jesus teaches us, with self-control, with love, with goodness, with purity, with truth, with gentleness, with mercy, with all the things that Jesus exhibits so powerfully. Lord, we struggle with this. We don't even see what we should be seeing half the time. And we just ask that you would be with us individually and as a community as we seek to glorify your name in our use of technology. Amen.